Welcome to Herbs with Erin, Remedies for Body and Spirit podcast, where we help people explore the power of herbs to create optimal wellness and strengthen their spiritual practice so they can feel healthy and connected. Information provided in the podcast is for educational purposes only, is not meant to take the place of professional medical advice. Welcome to this chat about mugwort, Artemisia vulgaris. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next about 15 minutes. And mugwort is a fun one to work with because it has these long history, um, a long history associated with it and also just fun folklore facts with it. And we can play with the herb um, in many different ways. So I'm going to be talking about that. So it's mugwort, Artemisia vulgaris. And I know that mugwort is definitely a term that's used among people. And sometimes it's not mentioning, people aren't talking about the same thing. So mugwort and wormwood sometimes are are kind of mixed, you know, kind of depending where you are in the country or the world. Sometimes mugwort means one thing and wormwood means another. They're both in the same plant family. They're both Artemisias, but they do have some different uses um, historically and currently. So today I'm really uh, want to talk about Artemisia vulgaris and I'll weave in little bits of about some of the other Artemisias. So I'm going to show a picture on the screen here of um, mugwort. So for those that are listening to the replay on podcast, if you want to go to my Full Circle Herbals website and look in the blog section, you'll see this um, picture as well. So here it is up on the screen. That is um, mugwort. Artemisia vulgaris is on the left. So mugwort right there is uh, very silver on the underside, silver or white and green on the upper part of it. It does have many plants that it look, they have lookalikes, um, but there's definitely ways to discern um, one from the other. Uh, motherwort, um, the common motherwort and Siberian motherwort can look a lot alike. Ragweed can actually look quite a bit like mugwort, except that ragweed does not have that whitish coating on the other underside. Okay, and so here is some pictures of leaves. Here is mugwort and on the left, um, Siberian motherwort in the mid- middle and then ragweed on the right hand side. So when they're nicely next to each other and labeled, it's easy to discern which is which. But when you're in the garden, it can be tricky. Even for me, sometimes I have to stop and look at something and decide, is that ragweed? Am I gonna take that one out of here or keep it? So I just wanted to show you some pictures of what mugwort looks like because I've had many people say, oh, I have a whole patch of mugwort and it turns out to be ragweed. So (laughs) just something to consider. They do have different um, smells and flavors to them. Mugwort is very, um, I would say, more agreeable in scent. More people like the scent of mugwort, whereas motherwort and ragweed typically don't have that um, nice fragrant scent that most people associate with mugwort. Um, Motherwort is in the mint family, so it has a square stem, and that's one thing. And ragweed does not have a square stem, but it's not white underneath it. Okay, so mugwort, with its name of Artemisia vulgaris, 
Um, if you think about the word Artemisia, it's very close to the word Artemis, the, the goddess of the woods, um, the goddess um, associated with childbearing and women's um, reproductive issues. And that's pretty cool because mugwort is also used for women's reproductive system issues. And it's got that white or silver underside to it that's, um, you know, like the moon color as well with it. And so Artemisia and Artemis, the goddess, um, Artemis is definitely associated with the moon and the goddess of the, uh, of the moon. And uh, mugwort could be associated with a moon um, herb because it is associated with dreaming. So many people who use mugwort will do so in a tea form to help them have more lucid dreams. So lucid dreams are when you're very aware that you're dreaming or have very vivid dreams so that you remember them when you wake up. Now, it doesn't always mean you're going to have fantastic, wonderful dreams. It just means they're going to make them more vivid and uh, maybe lucid. So if you're under a lot of stress and you're not having very good dreams, you may want to consider whether or not you want to add in mugwort. But if you added mugwort leaf, um, and that's the part of the um, plant that I'm talking about today to be used, um, the mugwort leaf is usually in teas. And if you add that with other nervines like lemon balm and um, chamomile, um, skullcap, passionflower, and you have that unnerving and relaxing effect with the mugwort, that might help with the dream recall and having nice, relaxing, you know, powerful dreams is what people want to have. So you can ingest it into tea or you can add it to dream pillows. Some people just stick the dried or fresh um, plant under their pillow or hang it near their bed. It's also been used to help um, kind of like cleanse the air and the energy around uh, in homes and, and such. People use it as sacred smoke, sacred um, smoke to help bring more balance into the through room, but it's also used like as a fumigatory. So fumigatory is the smoke and they use it to repel insects. They also used, um, used it much in sick rooms and they would put uh, parts of the, the plant above doorways of sick rooms. And even in some really old folklore, they talk about putting it over doorways and in rooms and in shoes to uh, get rid of evil spirits and witches. Anytime I see that kind of information um, about an herb, it automatically makes me think that this is an herb that's very useful for helping to get rid of illnesses and disease. So you, before we, they, people knew about germ theory and that these small things around us can you know, make our bodies in balance and then cause sickness and disease, they didn't have any reason for it. So they said it was evil spirits, the devil, you know, all sorts of things. And so they noticed perhaps that these herbs that are around people seem to dispel the bad effects of evil spirits. And when in fact, it could have been that these herbs, having them around, drinking them, having them close to our skins, hanging them up around us, burning them, were actually like an antimicrobial and reducing the load of those um, harmful micro microorganisms around us that we didn't want to have inside our body and outside our body. So anytime I see something saying this herb is for dispelling evil and getting rid of 
bad spirits, I automatically think this must have some antimicrobial properties to them. Many herbs do. Some are stronger than others. Some taste better than others. Some grow well in other areas than in one part of the world. So there's many herbs out there to be used as antimicrobials. Now you will see this kind of contradictory information out there about mugwort. Sometimes it's listed as an amenagogue, which means it can bring on menses or stimulate um, uterine con uh, having like um, contractions, uterine, uterine contractions. So people who are pregnant at, you know, most of the phase of the pregnancy don't want to have that happen. They don't want to have stimulate their uterus and have, you know, birthing start early. So there's this, you know, be, be very careful of mugwort. It's, it's um, too stimulating for pregnant women. And on the other hand, it is also used during certain parts of childbearing. So um, some um, instances you'll see information that mugwort helps to prevent miscarriage and other times you hear that it's an amenagogue when you can stimulate it. Um, you can also find information that says it's very helpful for the digestive system with stomach cramps and upset stomach and um, if you aren't digesting fats well enough, you know, mugwort is one of those herbs that could be useful, but then you also see it as a purgative. So it's like, okay, which one of these is true? And in fact, they can both be true. It just happens to do with dosage and strength. So when we drink an herbal tea, especially one that's mixed with um, many different herbs, it's usually more gentle, more tonic. And then if we start drinking that, you know, uh, three cups or more cups a day, then it becomes more medicinal. Then if we make a tincture of it, we definitely concentrate it even more. And based on how many drops we take uh, a day, um, you can make it even more and more medicinal. So there is a spectrum for many herbs and what they can do. They can kind of do the, the easiest gentle thing. And sometimes they can do the most, um, you know, purgative therapeutic thing uh, that we need at the moment. And it has a lot to do with the strength and the dosage, how frequently we're taking something. So I know that throws a lot of people off when they're learning about herbalism. It did for me. I, I would think, well, what the heck? Does anybody know what they're even talking about with these herbs? Why should I even listen to any of these authors or teachers if there's such a dichotomy of what's being used? But in fact, it all can be true. Just depends on what we use and how much of it. Some other cool things about um, mugwort is that the word mug is like mug something that we hold and wart is a, a a way another word for herb so it's an herb that was used to make beer um, a long time ago so lots of people if they didn't have good clean water sources they would make beers and wines to to clean the water out and kill any microorganisms in there and then they would drink lots of beer and wine for that area so it was used in beer um, it's definitely uh, related to wormwood and wormwood and some other species of the artemisias were used to make um, vermouth and absinthe and again in large amounts those alcoholic drinks caused neurological issues it can in large doses cause some issues with the neuro the the nervous central nervous system but you have to take a lot of it. It has to be very concentrated. 
So again, there's this idea that it can be toxic and you'll see um, lots of literature about wormwood and mugwort and some of the other artemisias of being toxic, but yet you'll also find things that say, oh no, this is absolutely non-toxic. So essential oils of these types of artemisias can be very toxic. They're very concentrated and it has thujone in it. And thujone, um, that's extremely concentrated in like essential oils, um, can be toxic, can be in menagogue, can be purgative, can harm the central nervous system, be so stimulating that it causes seizures. Um, so the essential oil part of it is so concentrated. And that is when you have to have extreme caution when using it, it has to be diluted in a carrier oil and, and other things. But when we're using it um, in a gentle way, in a very diluted way, like in a tea, um, having like a teaspoon of the dried herb in a cup of water, only steeped for a little, you know, few minutes, five, 10 minutes, and having a cup here and there, it's going to be non-toxic non in that form. And some of the other things that I want to quickly talk about today as well is that the Plant Priestess Exploration Workshop is coming up December 14th. Um, and we'll do the four days and then the five bonus days. But the cool thing about this Plant Priestess Exploration Workshop is that I am going to do the four days um, around the elements. So each day will be an element. Each day will have a um, an herbal application, a um, priestess lesson, um, a plant part, and uh, some herbs that are associated with that particular element. So we'll do that for the four days, and then we'll have all sorts of fun bonuses coming up. I will say that we're going to have a winter solstice ceremony and celebration. We're going to combine that with the plant priestess circle members and plant priestess exploration people. So I'll be definitely giving you more details as we go on. If you've already signed up for the plant priestess exploration in the past, you're all set. You don't necessarily need to go and sign up. Um, of course, I'm always doing email giveaways. So if you want to be involved in a giveaway, you go um, get signed up on that email list and it'll send you um, about three emails where you can reply with your answers and then we get you into a drawing for the Learning Herbalism Workbook. And then there's some other pertinent things coming out. I'm going to do a brand new lesson um, that I've never done for the Plant Priestess Exploration and I'm going to have that on day four. Um, and then we have just all so many different kinds of activities planned that you'll learn about on day four. The Priestess Pages workbook is going to be redesigned as well. So you'll be able to use that. Um, for those that have been in the workshop before, you'll have some new stuff that you can write down and take notes on. So that is going to be super, super exciting. And then... Um, I still have two spaces open uh, for the herbal apprenticeship, one-to-one uh, -one, um, work that I can do with you. So I have somebody right now that's um, already started and we meet twice a month, about every other week. It kind of depends on each other's schedule. And we have a phone call or we can do Zoom if you're international. Um, and we do a plan that's just for you. So if you're somebody who is really new to herbalism and you want to start making your, your own home herbal apothecary, but maybe you don't do so well on e-courses and you need that extra motivation to work with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, this would be a good option for you. It's three months long. It's $1,000 per month. 
and it's very much tailored for your lifestyle and the needs of you and possibly your um, family that if you have a family. If you're somebody who's looking to start your own herbal business, I know some people are interested in starting um, you know, metaphysical shops or herbal shops and they want to get that herbal information um, up, up a little bit more, they want a little bit more in knowledge, this would be a good way to um, work with me and you know, talk about herbal business and how to kind of arrange herbs and herbal remedies and how to get that going into a, a business model. And then also get you on track for which herbs would be like the top 10 that you would want to have in your herbal business or component of your business and be specific to you know, areas where you live. Then there's some people who are uh, really wanting to work on increasing their herbs um, in their wellness programs and into their life. And they want to work with me on those. And that's something that we could do in the herbal apprenticeship as well. So there's really a lot of um, options of what we could do in the herbal apprenticeship is that I'm giving you my knowledge and experience that I've had thus far in my life and tailoring it to what you can do in your own life and kind of um, bridge that gap from what you want to do and in getting into the action of actually doing it. And some people just need that one-to-one -one work. And in about three months, um, we can get you, you know, some really solid things that are put into action and get going on that in the way that you want. So if you're interested in the herbal apprenticeship, you can contact me and we can um, do a phone call or a, a, in, you know, a Zoom or something so that we can talk about it and see if it's something that you're um, that would work for you and work for me. Make sure I have the knowledge and, and experience for you. I don't want to have you sign up for something that, you know, I may not uh, be a good fit for you as well. So that initial um, talk, we could, you know, go through if, if this is something that's right for you. And I've had those calls with people, you know, it's not right for them at the time, or there's something else, uh, you know, that maybe it just didn't work out. And other times people are ready to, to dive in. So I have two spaces right now for that. Um, I can, I'm only taking three people in any given um, span of three months. And so I have opportunities for two more in my schedule. So that is what is going on. Got that plant priestess exploration workshop. We've got the weekly mini lessons happening here every Tuesday at 11 central standard time. Uh, and we have new people coming into the plant priestess exploration group. Uh, I will add some links to the comments after this live so that you have the information that you need for the workshop, for the apprenticeship, and um, all those types of things and ways to get a hold of me to schedule some meetings. Thank you for joining this mini lesson about a mugwort. Go forth and find some in your area. It grows everywhere. It's just a really um, ubiquitous herb around the world. So thanks for joining in, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Herbs with Erin, Remedies for Body and Spirit podcast. Please follow me on my Facebook page, Full Circle Herbals, or on my blog, fullcircleherbals.com.